Father in heaven, thank you so much for the chance to be here. Thank you for the chance to take time to learn about taking time with you, to figure out more about how we can connect with you, how we can break through some of the barriers that we face in our connection with you and just improve that relationship. And Lord, I just pray that you would lead and guide in this and that it would be your words and the things that you want shared would be the ones that are shared. And so Lord, I just pray this and thank you in Jesus' name, amen. So it was a Sunday afternoon and I was heading to a meeting with some students, a student group that I work with, and I was hungry. I had not gotten to eat lunch yet, so I was stopping to get some wonderful Chinese food on the way to this meeting. And I had this thought in my mind that one of the students specifically, I wondered if they had been able to eat lunch. I know this student and sometimes they're really busy. And for whatever reason, the thought was just in my mind, you should ask him if he needs lunch. So I texted and didn't get anything, didn't know anything. Should I get him lunch, not get him lunch? And I just felt like, you know, I should get him lunch. So I got extra food to bring. Did I get extra food for everyone? No, I don't know why. I thought specifically that this one person might need lunch. It was very interesting because I walked into the room and just as I walked in, other students were telling this student, you know, you really should go get some food because it turned out he hadn't eaten breakfast or lunch. And then I was like, hey, I actually brought you lunch. And it's like, whoa, thank you. How did you know? I don't know. And one of the other students said, you know, that's what happens when you have personal devotions. And I thought about that, and I thought that was a really interesting conclusion to come to, that they would think that I had known to bring the student food because I'd had personal devotions. Now, I have to say, I did have personal devotions that day, and there was never any voice of the Lord that said, you should bring food for this student. Nothing had happened that hadn't even been in my mind during that time when I had my personal devotions. But is there something about our personal devotions that is meant to really connect us with God in a way that we would not be connected? otherwise in a way that is going to change not just that part of our life but how we live our life during the day and if so how do we get that connection and how do we grow that connection and that's what we're talking about this afternoon I have a question for you do you feel like your connection with God is everything you'd like it to be <laughs> All right, someone said no or they wouldn't be here. That's probably a valid thought, right? I don't think any of us would answer that, yes, we think it's everything we'd like it to be. Yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. It's a good point, right? And for those listening on the recording, what she was saying is that basically if we get an idea to do something good, why not do it? right? Whether that impression was from the Lord or just from our own head, it's not going to hurt to do something good. And that's a very good point. We're going to come back to that a little bit as well. But we read of people in the scripture who had this walk with God that I will say I wish I had. Think of people like Abraham, right? Scripture talks about Abraham as a friend of God. He knew God so well that he knew when God was telling him to sacrifice his son, even though that would normally not make sense. 
How did he know that, right? People like Moses, who could see God and have an understanding of God that not many people had. People like Joseph, whose faith persevered under so much trial. People like David, if you read the Psalms and look at the intimacy between David and God, I realize, wow, this man really had a walk with the Lord. I didn't even put Enoch up there, right? The guy who was translated because he walked so closely with God. And we think of the early Christians, People like Paul, the apostles, the early church, and all the amazing things that they did. And I think about this and say, well, why is my life not quite like theirs? How did they get their life to be like that? And I read an interesting quote about this in 7th volume of the Testimonies, page 33. And it says, what the Lord did for his people in that time, this was in the context of the early church, it is just as essential and more so that he do for his people when? Today. All that the apostles did, every church member is to do. So do you believe that God wants you to have a devotional life and a connection and a filling of the Holy Spirit with him that is just as strong and more so as even the apostles and some of these great men that we read about in scripture? I believe that. I do believe that. I can't say I'm there to that yet, but I believe it. And so then the question is, why don't we? What things may block us in that? And so we're going to look at more in this session. How do we break that blockage and have that really close relationship with God? This is a picture of the Berlin Wall. Has anyone been to Berlin? Been there, been there. I was just there recently, a couple weeks ago, for the first time. And it's interesting, the story of Berlin, East and West Germany, the divisions there, and this whole wall was built. Not just a wall, but a wall with watchtowers and a second wall and some places landmines and guard patrol and all of this just to keep people from leaving East Berlin, East Germany, and escaping into the West. And so very much a blockage and they talk a lot about when I was there, they were celebrating the reunification or the time when the wall came down, when basically they were allowed to freely cross and people just came out and with their own hands and hammers just started whacking down this wall. There's some session, sections that they preserved, but they were so eager to go through that they just started breaking it down and very little of the wall is left today. What breaks down the walls in our life? What is it? Well, scripture tells us in Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God is meant to break down those walls in our connection with God so we can really have a union with him. But does it always work like that? Or have you ever felt... It was a little dry when you're reading your devotions. Like maybe this is supposed to be the sharp sword and you're like, is there a power button here somewhere? Am I supposed to like turn this on? It's not quite working the same way. I mean, I'm reading it, but what is it doing? And there's still this stuff going on in my life. So I want to look with you at five areas, five principles that I have found have helped in my life, in my devotional life, and to talk about those with you this afternoon. Number one, the power of first things. What is the first thing that you like to do when you wake up in the morning? Someone raised a phone. 
you're admitting it. And I know it's true, right? Many of us they have our phones beside our beds. We wake up, we look at what time it is, what the weather is, what's going on, if we have new notifications, if messages have come up. All right, what else? What do you do first thing when you get up? Shower. Good thing to do, right? What else? Drink water. <laughs> Helps wake you up. Anyone else? All right. So we do different things. And I know that not all of us are morning people, but there is a power in what we put first. And in this, I'm not just talking about what we put first in the day, but what we put first in our lives. I have found this to be a bigger challenge than even waking up in the morning. And that is, do I spend time with God when I'm busy, when I'm stressed, if I have a lecture to prepare, if I have a test to study for, for some of you, when other things are going on, what do I put first? How do I do that in my life? And I want to tell you about an experience that I had with this. There was a time in my life that was especially busy. Some of you may be going through that right now. And I was convicted, though, that I really wanted to improve my relationship with God, and I wanted to not just be making excuses about it anymore and just doing the minimum with it. And so I came to a conclusion, what if I decided that I was going to put God first no matter what, even if that meant, and I'm a teacher, even if that meant I had to walk into class and look like a fool that day because I was not prepared. Or in your case, it might be uh, you got a bad grade on a test or didn't get something done. I said, what would happen if I truly, truly committed that this was going to come first, regardless of what happened to other things? And I was tested in this area, I will tell you, because I made that decision. And sure enough, stuff would come up. And I remember one day I'm like, Lord, I don't have time to be having my devotions right now. I don't have time to be doing this. I'm not prepared. I didn't get this ready. I've got to go in like an hour. I've got this going on. I've got to teach this thing. And I will tell you that over and over again, interesting things happened. Either the Lord, sometimes I saw I would spend time with him, and then something that would normally take me an hour or two to prepare, it's like 10 minutes it came together. I don't know how this happened. I really don't know how it happened. Not every time did it go perfectly. I will not say that. And this is not an excuse for procrastination. There are times that we just procrastinated, and you got to take what comes to you. But I will say this. When I made that decision, I have yet to have an instance where I put God first, and he allowed me to just completely fail and look like a fool. The Lord will come through for us, but do we trust him enough to put that first? I have found that having time for God is more of a matter of trust than anything else. Do I trust God if I haven't had enough sleep to spend time with him? Do I trust God if I'm not done with my homework to spend time with him? Do I trust God if I'm just, my mind isn't there, if I don't feel like it? Do I trust God to spend time with him? And there are some things that help in specifics. Some of you do better in the morning. Some of you do better in the evening. Who are morning people here? 
All right, who are not morning people here? All right. <laughs> and so, honest confessions, I am not really a morning person either, and I would encourage you to take your time, and it can be morning or evening, or really the best i found is both. There are some things that work better for me in the evening and some in the morning. In the evening, I like to take more time um, to pray. We're going to talk about prayer, maybe journal. It's a good time for me to just unload my thoughts with God and talk with God. In the morning, however, my mind is fresher to actually read and study, whereas at night I'm more tired. And so think about what you do when. There are things you can do both in the morning and the evening. I found that both work. Some of you might have a hard time in the morning, and that's shorter, but I do think there is something, though, to having some morning time. It's interesting how the Israelites were given in Exodus 16 food called manna. Do you remember this? And they had to go out and they had to gather the manna, but when was the manna there? It was there in the morning. It's really interesting. As the day would get hotter, the sun would melt the manna and it would be gone and they would have no more and they'd have to wait till the next day if you missed it. And I think there is a spiritual principle there with our devotions, that there is something about the beginning of the day before I've looked at my phone, before other things crowd in, that God can speak to me in ways that he can't later. And so I strongly encourage you, put that phone somewhere else. Or make a covenant you're not going to get on there until you spend time with God or start doing homework or doing anything else because there's this silence inside that doesn't happen once things get going in our day. So, but whatever time you said that you want to spend, just stick with it. Start making that a habit in your life. One thing that helps with this is going to bed early. I know this is a hard thing too, but the truth is if you're struggling with your devotions in the morning, it starts the night before. If I haven't slept well, then it's hard to get up and then it's not quality. And I'm like, dear Lord, please be falling over sleeping in the middle of devotions, right? And so you can even pray for God to wake you up. This is a dangerous prayer. You know, I specifically went to a seminar where someone was talking about prayer and praying for God to wake you up and how God was waking her up at like four in the morning, whatever in the morning. And I remember thinking, that's a bad idea. I am just not going to pray that prayer. And I didn't, but I was wanting to pray and trying to get closer to God. And wouldn't you know it, I started waking up early in the morning, and I did not pray for that. Like, oh, Lord, that's not fair. I know. <laughs> but it could happen. And so, but you can pray, and God can wake you up, and God may, and beware, because he might not wake you up at the time you would have picked to be woken up. But you can have a prayer partner call you in the morning. This can be helpful. What you end your day with, falling asleep, thinking about your devotions, or as I mentioned, spending time with God in the evening for me really sets me in a better frame when I wake up as well to have devotions. So that prayer time in the evening as well. And the big thing is just just get up. <laughs> get up. It's, it's got to be, for most of us, out of our bed when we have our devotions. If you live in a dormitory, I used to sit in the hallway, eat my bowl of cereal, and have devotions in the hallway. If you have more space now, I actually have found a big difference in my devotions from having them outside. When the weather permits, I like to have them outside on my porch. 
sit in my porch swing and talk to God out there because it's nature and it's getting out. For some of you, uh, you may actually do better taking a shower first and then you're awake to do them, but get up, do something and be able to spend that time with God and it will become a habit. You know that habits typically take about three weeks to form. When you've been doing something consistently for three weeks, it starts becoming familiar. Another six weeks, it becomes comfortable and uh, if you skip a day, then just get back on track. But give it three, four, five, six weeks, and your body will start to adjust. And it'll start to become a habit. It'll start to become easier. So if you leave this seminar, you're like, I'm going to spend time with God more. And then it's really rough the first week. Don't give up, please. Our bodies take time to retrain themselves, and it does get better. And so make it a habit and stick with it. And that can help with devotional barriers. Number two, in addition to the power of first things, I want to talk about the power of a person. And this is something that I've I've seen big time in my life. So we've been talking about getting up, and I already mentioned that I'm not naturally a morning person. And this illustration is not about devotions. It's actually about exercise. So, I mean, getting up to do my devotions is hard enough, but you try to get me to get up even earlier to exercise in the morning, this does not happen. I mean, I love exercise as well, but if it's later in the day, okay, but to actually get up, mm, no. But there is one time in my life that I got up consistently to exercise in the morning. Do you know why it was? Any guesses? What was that? The person you are exercising with. Okay, Leah got it. So this is the deal. Confessions. I was in college. I had a boyfriend. We didn't get to spend a lot of time together. And the time we could spend together, his idea was that we would go like walk and exercise early in the morning. And would you believe it? I actually did it. And I somewhat enjoyed it. I did not enjoy getting up in the morning, but I enjoyed it because, well, let's be honest, because of the person that I was doing it with, right? And it's a big thing that I realized in our devotions is our devotions are not just about a habit or a discipline. They're about a person. And am I connecting with a person during my devotions? That's this idea of quality over quantity. The worst time, I would say the hardest time in my spiritual life was actually a time when I was having personal devotions for probably two hours a day. Isn't that ridiculous? How in the world could you be spending that much time with God and still having a horrible spiritual time? Well, I'll tell you what was going on. I was trying to read my Bible, and I would study, and I would listen to sermons. But honestly, at that time in my life, I was just really struggling with God, truth be told. I was even working in ministry that time. I taught at an evangelism school in Arizona, and people would look up to me for spiritual guidance, right? And they didn't know that it was hard for me. I didn't want to tell people because I thought they'd look down on me, you know, for struggling, even though I was trying to get close to God, but it wasn't really working very well. And I felt like if I told people that they'd probably, like, give me an Ellen White quote and tell me to have more faith. 
I don't know if you've ever felt like that. You're like, I can't really share my struggles because people are just going to judge me. That's how I felt. Probably wasn't true, but that's what I thought. And I finally came to the conclusion at that time. I was like, you know, I think I know a lot about God, but I don't know God. I know tons about God. I grew up in the church. I've learned about God. I serve God. I believe in God. I believe in all this stuff. But something was really missing at the heart level. I started to realize, I'm like, I, I don't really, I, I intellectually love you, Lord, but I, I'm not in love with you, if I'm just honest with it. And then I thought, you know, well, if this is all there is to Christianity, then maybe it's not working for me. And it was a very difficult time in life because I thought, well, I knew I know enough to know that if I just leave God and do dumb things in the world, that that will not be a good idea and solve life. On the other hand, what I'm trying to do now with God is not working either, so I'm just stuck. Like, not working there, not working there, and it was pretty miserable. And finally, you know, God used a friend of mine to sit down and say, hey, Michelle, what's really, what's going on? How are you? And I started to share in a real way what I was going through with the Lord. And thankfully, this friend started to also relate some experiences that he'd had as well. And what had helped him and his own journey to know God and get to know who God was. And it kind of started something inside of me. It didn't change overnight, but it started to change, especially my devotional life. I kind of stopped what I'd been doing, and I just started in my devotional life to really ask, all right, God, who are you? I just want to know who you are. And I was searching for that, and I was listening to that in sermons and in what I was reading. Some stuff went back to the basics. I started reading about the life of Jesus again. I started reading the books like Desire of Ages and just asking myself, like, like who is God, and, and who am I, and some of those really basic things. And, you know, it didn't happen overnight, but I saw God start to work. As I started to seek him, not just to know knowledge, but to really know God, and to ask myself about who he is, and search for that in scripture, and with my heart, God started to work in that, and that brought me to the place where I finally felt able to truly give myself to God again. And I realized that things had built up due to life, due to resentments, due to issues going on. Walls build up we don't even realize till all of a sudden we're doing things for God, but we don't realize we're really far away. And so it may take sometimes in your devotions going back to your basic core. Who is God? Who am I? How do I really seek to know who he is? If you're not sure... I recommend starting in the Gospels, starting in some of those accounts like the Desire of Ages and really asking those fundamental questions, the things we always hear as Christians, but maybe we don't know in our hearts. And it started to change my relationship with God. It fundamentally changed my relationship with God, my relationship to ministry, to life. And I look back now, and that was the best thing that ever happened in my Christian experience. At the time, it was the worst thing that happened in my Christian experience, but it brought the best things. And so if you're struggling in your relationship with God right now, I encourage you that that's not a sign to give up, but the Lord may be calling you to a hole that he wants filled, that he wants you to know him in a way that you don't know him now, and he wants you to seek for that. So it's about a person. And people are different in how they connect with God as well. 
I did want to add this. I asked on Facebook and also some of my students in class about how they connect with God. And some people connect a lot with God with, with music. That can be a thing. Some people even write songs, take scriptures and make them into songs or listen to music through journaling. I'll talk about this more, but this really is one that helps me to write out thoughts. Nature, we mentioned, getting outside. I have a friend who said, you know, when I need to talk to God, I go out in the dark to the biology trails and I just walk and talk with God. A little freaky, but uh, <laughs> maybe for some. Others of you think that's great, but just being with God in nature, right? Studying with others, that can help too. Some people do well with art, drawing, painting a picture of what you're reading in a story, making that graphically understandable. That's how, how you process well. You're doodling during the sermon, and I don't judge you because I know for some of you that really helps to make that more real, right? Talking out loud. Uh, and even research. One student told me when I asked this question yesterday about how they connect with God, they said, you know, I like to look at different philosophies, like non-Christian ones, and then prove them wrong. And that builds my faith. <laughs> and so it can happen, right? And so really searching it because it makes you dig and find out what you believe and why. And so different things appeal to different people. So don't be constricted into just one thing. I just read a chapter every day in the Bible, or I just read this and that. We're going to talk more in detail in the next section with Janelle, though, about how to study the Bible more deeply. So these are more general things of things that can be good in your devotions. And then Janelle's going to pick this up and say, all right, how do I actually dig into my Bible and know how to understand it better and apply it? Number three, in addition to the power of first things and the power of person, I really believe a lot in the power of prayer. I'll tell you a story about the power of prayer in my life and in my own journey. There was a, a time a few years back where it was in January, and the World Adventist Church does like a 10 days of prayer. You might have heard of that. It's a 10-day it's a period where they encourage people to get together and pray and pray every day for those 10 days. So I wanted to do this, and I had some friends who were going to do it with me, but for some reason, all of them only wanted to do five days. I don't know why. So we would get together, and we prayed every day for five days, and then they all quit. And I was like, I want to finish this 10 days. And so I decided that I was going to just do the other five days on my own. And I'd actually never prayed like that before. Let me tell you about my prayer life. Confessions of that, right? So I was pretty good at reading and studying, but I was not good previous to this about prayer. If I was not praying with other people, my mind wanders very quickly. Anyone relate? <laughs> my mind, I'm like praying, dear Lord. Blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, I'm thinking about this situation, and I'm thinking about work and school, and I'm thinking over here. And so I would pray, but when they talk about things like sweet hour of prayer, I did not understand this. Like, how can you really focus and pray for an hour? And so I started, I knew this, but I wanted to finish these 10 days of prayer. So for me, what helps me is writing. So I started journaling. 
and I was praying and I would do the same things we'd done in a group. So we'd done in a group kind of a, a popcorn style united prayer where we would go through praises and then confessions and then requests and then at the end Thanksgiving. And so I just started doing that myself and with my journal. And I would journal out my praises to God and then my confessions, different things that God was impressing upon my heart, which were even more real and raw because no one else could hear me. And then my requests and praying for myself, praying for other people, and then the thanksgivings at the end. And I found, and yeah, writing takes a little longer, that an hour would go by. And I couldn't believe that I'd just been praying for an hour. Some of you may not write. Instead, it's better for you to like talk out loud or do something else. I don't know. But what I noticed more than that was what started to change in my devotional life. In fact, when those days were up, that 10-day period, I didn't stop that. I continued doing that for a while, for a number of months. Uh, my devotions became a little lopsided. It's like I would be praying for the vast majority of the time, and then at the end, I would be actually like studying the Bible or reading scripture for a very short time. But the weird thing was that when I would read the script, read scripture, it was so powerful. It's like I'd prayed and poured out my heart to God, poured out requests to God, and then God would just guide to write what I needed to read that day, and there I was. And that balanced over time. I don't say it's always like that, all prayer and no scripture, but I think at that point in my life, it was almost as if my soul was just thirsty. Like if you've had a lot of food and no drink and you're just thirsty, I think that's what it was. <laughs> There's a lot of knowledge and no prayer. And it's interesting how Gospel Workers, page 254, says prayer is the breath of the soul. It is a secret of spiritual power. No other means of grace can be substituted in the health of the soul preserved. And so there was a time where it was like I was just drinking in prayer because I just hadn't had this. And God would speak to me about my life, about other people. I just started hearing God and being in tune with God in ways that I had never been before, even though I'd been having my devotions and spending time with God. And I encourage you to try this. If you've never really spent consistent time in prayer, like thanking God, uh, confessing to God, asking God what's in your heart that needs to be made right, putting those requests, praying for other people, uh, thanking God for things. If you do this, I challenge you, do it for 10 days and see if it does not change your devotions. If your devotions are dry, this may be something that's lacking. Maybe there's a lot of food and no water, <laughs> no breath. It needs that in order to thrive. And so uh, Philippians 4, 6 to 7, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. And the what? The peace, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so think about that. Pray for others as well. James says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Try praying for others. A big thing I've been studying about is how Satan loves to get us stuck on ourselves. So if you're stuck in yourself and your issues and whatnot in your prayer time, pray for other people. See what God does when our focus shifts. Try praising God. One of the biggest things that has helped me is praising God because I started to realize that praising God is what builds faith. 
because I'm praising God, not just for what he's done, but I'll praise God for what he's going to do. But thank you, Lord. I praise you that you are going to work out this situation at work. I praise you that you already have an answer for that person that I've got an issue with. And I praise you that you're going to work in someone's life. So thank God not only for what he's done, but what he's going to do, what he's promised. I praise you that you promise that you will never leave us for, or forsake us. Claim the scriptures as you pray, and it's even more firm because we know we can believe them because God already said it. And maybe get a prayer partner. It's interesting because Janelle and I are doing this, but Janelle um, has actually been a prayer partner to me. And back in the summer, we would pray together uh, almost every day for a while. And I know that it blessed my life and really helped to make that real as well. So if you're struggling, maybe find a friend and say, hey, would you pray with me for the next 10 days, 20 days, 30 days, even 40 days, and see what happens in your life with that. And I know that we definitely saw things happen and saw God answer prayers too in other people's lives. I mean, we'd be praying for family members and like, they'd start having spiritual interest and stuff would happen or praying for different work situations and stuff would happen. And so there's power in also coming together in prayer as well. Acts of the Apostles says, there are many who though striving to obey God's commandments have little peace or joy. This lack in their experience is the result of a failure to exercise faith. Faith. And how is it related? Well, we just read that peace comes when we're praying. Faith comes when we're praying. These are the things that increase our faith. And so pray, pray with someone as well. Number four, the power of patience. They say that patience is a virtue, but it's not one that I claim to have or enjoy having. We don't like waiting, do we? Waiting can be a very difficult thing when we're trying to connect with God, when we're trying to see answers, and we don't necessarily wait. Waiting is even hard when we're doing our devotions. This is a concept that really hit me in the book Education. It says, many, even in their seasons of devotion, fail of, receive the, fail of receiving the blessing of real communion with God. They are in what? Too great haste. With hurried steps, they press through the circle of Christ's loving presence, pausing perhaps a moment within the sacred precincts, but not waiting for counsel. They have no time to remain with the divine teacher. With their burdens, they return to their work. These workers can never attain the highest success until they learn the secret of strength. Do you want to know the secret of strength? They must give themselves time, time to think, to pray, to wait upon God for a renewal of physical, mental, and spiritual power. So this is the next thing that I would say. Maybe we read, maybe we pray, maybe we spend time with God doing that, but how much do we spend time actually listening? I know for me, even my prayer and devotions can be very one-sided. I speak to God about all the things on my list and this and that, and I read, but am I taking the time just to let God speak? Do we just sit there and meditate on these things? I'm not talking about like Eastern meditation where you like empty your mind and all of that stuff. No, our mind is focused on Christ. We spend time with him first. And then do we just let him talk? 
And I encourage you, when you have your devotions, maybe have some time where you're not trying to do anything, but say, all right, Lord, what would you like me to hear from you today? What do you want me to take away from what I've just read, what I've just studied? We'll talk more about how God speaks in our next session, but just having the time to let God do that. Ministry of Healing says we must individually hear him speaking to the heart when every other voice is hushed in quietness, we, be, we uh, wait before him and the silence of the soul makes more distinct the voice of God. He bids us be still and know that I am God. Let me ask a question, though. When we do this, how do you know it's God telling you something? How do you know? Have you ever had those impressions and you're like, is this God? Is this not God? Am I going crazy? Now, like our sister over here said, sometimes it really it doesn't really matter. If it's an impression to do something good, just do it. It's not going to hurt. There are other things we kind of wonder. I remember one day I was doing Bible work at the time, and I was in the parking lot of the church, and for some reason I could not make a decision about where I should go next. Should I visit this contact or that contact? Should I go knock on doors over there, over there? And I was just in this really indecisive place, and I sat there and thought, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? Just asked. And the only thought I had in my mind was to go to the Walmart at the corner of King and Story. And I thought, that's a ridiculous thought. Why would I go to Walmart? I don't need anything from Walmart. I'm supposed to be doing Bible work. Why would I go to Walmart? And literally, it was a strange thing. I, I didn't really know, but I said, well, I can't think of anything else to do, so I'm going to go to Walmart. So I pull up at this Walmart, not sure why, and I walk into it, and lo and behold, right there as I come in is one of my Bible study contacts in Walmart. I do not know why that, you know, how that works. Apparently at that time, I guess that was the Lord. There have been other times when I have had other thoughts that have not necessarily worked out like that. And I don't know that that was the Lord or not the Lord. But here are some things that will help to test that when you're listening to God. First of all, remember that God's word is what speaks to us the most. Six Testimonies 393, the Bible is God's voice speaking to us just as surely as though we could hear it with our ears. And so often how God speaks is as you're reading scripture and having your devotions, those things are more sure than just walking around and having some random thought in our mind. Thoughts, we don't know, but if it, when it comes through scripture, that's, that's a good thing. The other thing is test it according to scripture. If you're having a thought that is not according to scripture, it's not the Lord. So if you're having this thought like, oh, should, should I marry this person? I mean, I know they're not a Christian and whatnot, but uh, I think the Lord told me to marry them. Was that the Lord? If it's not according to God's word, if it is opposed to God's word, then don't assume that that's God's voice. God doesn't contradict himself. And so measuring it according to God's word and listening in God's word. But we are told in John 10, 3, that the sheep hear his voice and he calls them and leads them. So I do believe God wants to speak to us when we're listening. Well, one thing that I've learned, and this has been difficult because there have been things in my life where to this day, 
I'm not really sure what it meant and how God is going to work some things that I felt God said as I was listening. But I know this, and that is we will continue to hear God better and clearer the more that we know him. The more that we know him. When we're first getting to know someone, it can be difficult to uh, hear them as well or at least understand them as well. But is there anyone that you know really well? Maybe it's your best friend, a sister, mom. And when something happens and you look at them, you're like, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> you know what I'm I know what you're thinking. <laughs> you know them so well, you're like, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> and even then sometimes we're wrong, but research shows more often than not we're, we, we can be right. And the more we know God, the more we've been searching with God and reading scripture and getting to know his character, I think the easier it is to discern the impressions that are from God and not. Because we can realize, oh, this matches with who God is, or no, that just doesn't sound like God. We're not going to be perfect at it, but the more we know him, I believe the easier it gets and the more we'll see these things. In the hush, the silence of that voice, which never fails to answer, in the hush and silence of the, sorry, that's soul, not sold. That voice which never fails to answer the cry of human need will speak to our hearts. And that's been a big thing to me. The fact that when we really need it and we really cry out to God, he does promise that he's going to speak to us, that he's going to be there. Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings, page 84. He might not always tell us what we want to hear, he might not always answer all your questions right then, but he will be there and he does speak to us when we need him. So taking the time to listen to God and pursue a relationship. And number five, the power of surrender. Eesh, the power of surrender, right? I almost labeled this slide the power of persistence but I actually realized that I don't think that's the best way to term it. I'm going to explain it. The power of surrender. Could it be that sometimes we are not connecting with God because there's something between us and God? Maybe it's sin that we know that we're still staying in and we're not letting go of. Maybe it's bitterness over things that have happened in life and whatnot, or disappointments in life, it puts a wall between us and God. Maybe it's doubt. Maybe it's resentment. Sin at its core tends to be rooted in unbelief and pride. And those things tend to come into our lives through stuff that happens. Maybe there's been stuff that happened in your life that was difficult. Maybe you lost someone that you cared about. You don't know why God wasn't there. Maybe you were wanting something to God to do something for you and he didn't you feel like God let you down and you know we don't have all of those answers always right now there are unfortunately some things we don't understand till eternity but at the same time I have realized that if we're seeing a wall between us and God it might be because we put it up there we're protecting ourselves because we don't want to get hurt or we don't want to get let down or I'm afraid to pray for this because what if God doesn't come through and what's going to happen in my life? And 
We're promised a ministry of healing, page 474. In the future life, the mysteries that here have annoyed and disappointed us will be made plain. We shall see that our seemingly unanswered prayers and disappointed hopes have been among our greatest blessings. Can you believe that? That there are some times where we may be putting a wall with God because we don't feel like God's done what he should have done and we're disappointed by God and God's like, someday you're going to understand that I was actually blessing you. You don't get it now, but you're going to get it someday. Early writings 119, if pride and selfishness were laid aside, five minutes would remove most difficulties. This quote has rocked me. When I have issues going on and I'm worried, how do I deal with this and that, and I can't hear God because I'm so busy running in my own mind, spiraling this, that, and the other, we're told that, look, if we really laid it down, surrendered it to God, put down our own pride and our own self, five minutes, most things would be resolved. Whoa. <laughs> I've seen this work specifically. I remember I had to have a difficult conversation with someone, and I was thinking about it, and what am I going to say, and how's this going to go? And the Lord specifically, the impression that I got as I was having my time with God was, Michelle, don't worry about all of that. Just worry about being in tune with me and I'm going to resolve this. And I tell you that conversation went better than I really could have planned had I made all my points and figured out all my stuff and figured out how to resolve it. And the Lord's like, no. The biggest thing is, is your pride laid down. Do you have the right attitude to go into this? And then God spoke and God worked. So maybe if we're not seeing God work and it's kind of a wall there, God may be calling us to say, will you put down your pride? Will you put down your ideas? Will you put down your own self? Self, <laughs> which gets in the way of so much. And let me work in your life. And the story that I kind of want to wrap this up with is interestingly the story of Jacob. Do you remember when Jacob wrestled with the angel? He's coming. Esau is coming with an army. He thinks he's going to be killed. He's out there in the night wrestling with who he thinks is an enemy who's actually God. He's wrestling with God. And he prevails. Patriarchs and prophets tells us Jacob prevailed because he was persevering and determined. His experience testifies to the power of importunate prayer. The greatest victories are those victories that are gained in the audience chamber with God when earnest agonizing faith lays hold upon the mighty arm of power. Picture Jacob wrestling. And I tell you what, I used, like I said, I almost labeled this section persistence. Because I've read this many times. I said, see, we've just got to persevere. When we don't see the answers, when it's not going right, we've got to hang on. But I found out recently that there's actually a different word picture on how Jacob won this battle. Do you know what really happened after Jacob wrestled that night? This is interesting to me. It's from Thoughts of the Mount of Blessings, page 62. It says, not until he fell crippled and helpless... Upon the breast of the covenant angel did Jacob know the victory of conquering faith and receive the title of a prince with God. Jacob realized in the morning when his hip was touched that this was God that he was wrestling. And instead of wrestling, the picture that we get in Spirit of Prophecy is that Jacob finally surrendered. He 
fell on the breast of the angel. And then he says, I will not let go until you bless me. It wasn't like he's hanging on wrestling. I will not let go until you bless me. Instead, Jacob finally disabled falls like grabbing Jesus who he's wrestling with. I picture him just hugging him, falling on his breast and saying, I'm just not going to let go until you bless me. And if nothing else, we remember for this, in our walk and our devotional life with God, do I cling to God like that? I've come to believe that that's a real persevering prayer. It's not fighting with God to do what we want. It's not fighting with God till we have a relationship, but it's coming to that point of surrender, of realizing, I can't fight this battle, but I'm going to fall on you, and I'm going to stay with you until you bless me because you promised in your God. And so that's my appeal today. We're going to pray and then we'll take a break before our next section. But do you want a relationship with God that is so powerful that God can bless your life, that God can fill you with the Holy Spirit and use you in powerful ways? And if so, are we willing to hang on to God, to surrender to God and let him do that in us? So I would like you to bow your heads and let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that you are a God who wants to be known by us. You want to be known by us as a person, as someone real in our lives, as our Savior and our Father and our older brother and our Redeemer. And Lord, forgive us when we let other things get in the way. Maybe it's our busyness, our time, our stress. I know it's happened to me even this week. And help us, Lord, to spend time with you, to know you for who you are, to spend time in prayer with you, to take time to listen to you. And most of all today, I want to pray that we would surrender to you. That if there are things in our lives, we know what they are, that are blocking us from connecting with you, that you would take them down, Lord. I know I realized that even this week, that even this week, part of a block with you is because there have been some stuff that happened that I was like a little bit bitter about. And you wanted me to lay that down, Lord. Help us to lay down ourselves, our selfishness, our pride, our sins, our burdens on you right now, Lord. I want to pray that for anyone in this room who realizes that. And I pray that in laying that down, we would be like Jacob, not fighting in our own strength, but simply clinging to you for all that we're worth, saying, I will not let go. Let us not let go, Lord. And thank you for the promise that when we don't, you are going to bless us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.